You're listening to the Prison Poetry Workshop Podcast. I'm Ren Smith. Here we present readings, commentary, recordings, and stories about the little-known and even less understood literary tradition of prison poetry. Buzz Alexander. Um, I'm, uh, I've been in the English department s- since 1971 at the University of Michigan. I'm Janie Paul. I'm an artist and I'm a professor at the School of Art and Design here at the University of Michigan. They're a charming duo, wild-haired, astute, and in their 60s. Visiting their home, located in a burg just outside of Ann Arbor, the first thing you notice is the walls. They're covered from top to bottom in art prison art. Anyway, and, then we and that's have, just the tip of the iceberg. Um, all of these drawers. A lot of these, these drawers, these flat files, are filled with art that has been donated to us by the artists. Their basement yields the kind of meticulously organized art trove you'd expect to find in yeah. the back yeah, rooms of a museum. I used some grant money that I got to build this storage unit. <laughs> they need the space. PCAP runs the largest prison art show in the nation, a show that features about 200 artists from nearly 30 Michigan prisons. Janie and Buzz have ended up buying or being given some of that work. The result is a cache of stunning pieces. Janie leafs through several paintings and stops on a realist landscape painted in watercolor. But this is a beautiful piece. I mean, there's just incredible detail. A house with a porch and pine trees and a meadow in the distance and a road in the front. There are a lot of pieces that have houses and barns and buildings in landscapes that I always think of as being, you know, a a restful place to be, which is what people are always seeking. But while some prison artists might use their art to escape their surroundings, others use it to comment on them. One of the more haunting paintings shows children clinging to a hooded executioner as he reaches for a group of prisoners. And I think the title is uh, Save, Save My Daddy. It's disturbing, and it's supposed to be. They're trying to grab this guy. They're trying to reach out to their fathers, and they can't. He's got these big uh, hands with black gloves, and he's controlling these cages in which men are locked up, and the, and the children are trying to get to their fathers. Like much of the art produced in PCAT, the paintings show an immense amount of skill. But navigating past the cliches prison art sometimes falls prey to can be tricky. We see a lot of, you know, teardrops and roses, and those are things that's fine. But we wanted to let the artists know that they could do more than that. So several years ago, when PCAP put out its annual call to artists, they put a moratorium on the mundane. They basically said, We would like for you to actually explore more idiosyncratic work. And what was so interesting was the next year when we went around to select the work, we heard from people that that was really helpful. If PCAP is a resounding success, it didn't start out that way. After its first ever workshop, a theater workshop, culminated in a performance, officials would accuse it of paving the road toward chaos. 
The first performance was uh, called The Show. Conducted at the Florence Crane Women's Facility in Coldwater, Michigan, The Show was a collection of monologues, dialogues, and scenes. It featured some heavy drama mined from the lives of the workshop participants. At the end of the play, the audience stood up and applauded us. Just They stood up, rose to their feet, and applauded us. And then uh, when we went out of the prison, we were shaken down very severely. It was a surprise search, Buzz remembers. Guards patted them down aggressively, went through every stitch of clothing and every bag. At first, he thought it was a random occurrence. And we thought, well, they're just shaking us down severely. We didn't think any, anything of it. The next day, I called the deputy warden, Roger Fultz, and, uh, and he, he said, you can't come back. And the warden uh, sent a, a message saying, you were boarding on in, in, inciting to, to riot. We thought we'd done nothing wrong. Maybe Buzz should have expected that. After all, the show had aired some painful material. But as it turns out, the tragic moments weren't the problem. The funny ones were. In several skits, Buzz played the slapsticky prison guard, bumbling through his job. In one scene about subpar prison food, he wielded a rubber chicken. The audience, a group of 80 female prisoners, roared. The guards, not so much. What happened was that uh, they didn't think playing a correctional officer was, was comic. Uh, and I learned that uh, very quickly. Luckily, the warden reversed the decision and allowed PCAP's workshops to continue. It was a close call. PCAP has learned to be careful, but not just with the turnkeys. Workshop facilitators are expected to show the prisoners genuine respect, and they have a particular way of making sure that happens. Because prisoners are very good bull detectors. They know. Philip Sample the Detroit native we heard from at the beginning of the show, knows what PCAP's workshops look like from the other side. About 10 years into his sentence, he ended up attending one of the group's poetry readings. The Poet's Corner, that's what they called it. And one of my friends was a member of the Poet's Corner. And he um, said, man, you know, come to the reading and hear us do some poetry. I say, sure, you know, I'll support you. Philip says that by then, he was the definition of a cynic, having spent too many days in solitary confinement too many years with racist guards. So when he encountered outsiders at the poetry reading, he had some questions. So when I entered this room, I seen inmates and college people, meaning students and staff alike, mixing and mingling in the same environment. Now, mind you, these college people were white people. So, you know, I'm like, oh, what the hell is this? You know, and, and kind of like, you know, looking at Buzz and the whole thing, like, you know, what is their angle? Is this a ploy to examine the beast? What quelled his skepticism was watching Buzz read his own raw and honest poetry alongside prisoners. It's a PCAP rule. No sitting back and watching. Whatever workshop participants do, facilitators do. I know it seems like a small thing, but think about it. In prison, the small things matter. Even minor infractions can get a prisoner in trouble and maybe even threaten his or her release date. Sample recalls a moment behind bars when he found himself 
terrified of a simple accessory. I had ordered a watch, a, you know, a white wrist watch, you know, through the ordering system, you know. When I got the watch, you know, I was excited. It had to stop watch the ca- you know, in, in, in there, that's like, this is big stuff, you know. Not only is it something to do, but it's, you know, it's something to, you know, occupy time. But, but anyways, um, I was endeavoring to set the watch and, a, and a, a, a beep, you know, I guess what the alarms sounded like, you know, a beep, you know, and it just, and I couldn't stop it. And it's like the longer it went, it, I started panicking. On the outside, if a watch malfunctions, it's annoying. In prison, it felt like a crisis. Philip didn't know what the consequences would be. He might be punished. And, and I'm panicking like, man, you know, and, and, and it really, in my heart started beating. I started sweating. You know, I, I tried to muffle it under the pillow, you know. So finally I came out and the first person I saw, I threw it to him. And I said, like, how do you make it stop? And they caught it and made it stop. So I'm like, why did that watch sound have that type? And I live around chaos and noise all day. The next day, during a PCAP session with Buzz, Philip picked up a pen and let it all out. There is a plethora of horrid and horrible, disharmonious cacophony corroding the cracked corridors, alleys, tracks, aves, and cul-de-sacs that my life is. You fear it, cannot hear it. He used his poetry to look into his misadventure with the watch, to turn it over in his mind, contextualize it. The watch needed to be set. I am the type who neglects instructions, moved by the assumption, the gumption to think I can complete said task without assistance or need to ask for aid in getting in sync with you. Pushing buttons, beeps, indiglow, numbers flashing, hands turning, dates fluctuating, countdown, seconds, minutes, what the hell is happening in my hand? Suddenly, that beep, constant, relentless, sent this shockwave through my system, perspiration, heart racing, I couldn't take it, damn it, panic, almost throwing it over the tear I appeared, clutching chaotic time in my hand, screaming to the top of the rock, how did you make it stop? How did such a minute sound, you ask, produce such a profound response? The nuance of the flute barely audible under the basses, violins, bassoons, like the real mother surrounded by buffoons. I am playing my role, though barely seen, for it's the only role I know, know what I mean? The poem illustrates what PCAP offered Philip Sample. It didn't transform him into a new person or anything. He'd done that work long before he encountered Buzz, but it did help him turn a moment of helplessness into art. And art, wrote Tolstoy, is a means of union among men, joining them together in the same feelings and indispensable for the life and progress toward well-being of individuals and of humanity. I'm Ren Smith. 
We'll be back next week with more prison poetry. To find out how you can lend your voice to our poetry archive, go to prisonpoetryworkshop.org.